Hi there, and God bless you. I'm Brian Hallam. I pray that this message is a blessing to you. Thank you for downloading it, and thank you for following me on Twitter and Instagram and for liking and sharing what we post there. I just want you to know that I believe God wants to do something great in your life and in your family. So as we go into the Word today, let's go in with faith and hope and a high level of expectation for what God is going to do in your life. If you're watching online, I just want to say thank you guys for watching and tuning in with us. There's people that watch all over the world, both live and uh, throughout the week. And we just want to say thank you. It means the world to us. Also, if you're ever in Texas, in the Bryan College Station area, come out to a New Heights Church service in person. I promise we'll make you feel right at home. Can we give a hand to everybody that's watching online? Such a blessing. Open your Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter number 3. 2 Corinthians chapter number 3. I want to talk for just a few minutes on... Uh, a few of the things that can really change your life as a Christian and take you to that next level in Christ or your walk with Him. To begin with, I want to just kind of point out, I started with pretty humble, modest beginnings. I remember growing up and I I remember, uh, you know, living in a house and me and my brother slept in the same room. And I remember thinking it was just a house, but now when I go back and look at it, It was a pretty small house. You could stand in the middle of the house and kind of touch all four walls, that kind of house. It was fun to grow up in, but it was definitely a very modest beginning. And before I turned 17 or 18 years old, we moved four or five different times. And what was interesting is I remember moving from a little house to a big house or a bigger house, but then we moved back to a little house. Then we moved from... We went from, to start it out in a little house, we went to a big house, and everybody's like, yeah. And then we moved to a little house, it's like, what? And then we went from the little house to living with my grandparents. I was a kid sleeping on a bed in the living room, sharing a bed with my brother in my grandparents' three-bedroom house, a family of five plus two, seven, seven people in a three-bedroom house. And I remember thinking, man... What's going on? I don't get it. But, but see, I was a child, so I saw through a glass darkly. I didn't understand everything that my parents were doing. I didn't understand all the moves they were making. And then after that, we ended up moving. We ended up building a, a nice house on some land, and it was, it was just absolutely wonderful, and it was a great experience. And as a kid, I kind of got to spend the rest of my time growing up almost like Huckleberry Finn. You know, I would leave the house in the morning and the only time I would come home is when I was hungry, praise the Lord. But it was a, it was a very different time and, and our, our housing moves were, were unique. We went from little house to big house to little house to grandma's house, praise the Lord, and then to another house. It was just a, it was a good time and then, you, you know, I got to the college age and I probably moved, I don't know, in college, took me like, Four years, if I'm being honest, took me a little longer than four years to graduate, praise the Lord. But I remember moving approximately 773 times while I was in college. Has anybody ever moved in college before? But I remember moving and it was always different. And then Crystal and I got married, praise the Lord, that was wonderful. And and we moved into this apartment that I thought the house I grew up in was small. Nope, nope, nobody, nope. The apartment Crystal and I could afford 
that was small, praise the Lord. I remember we had a queen-size bed and it touched three walls in the, in the bedroom. A queen, okay? It wasn't even like a king-size bed. I remember thinking, we're going to get a king-size bed, but first we need an apartment that will hold it, praise the Lord. But we ended up having this apartment, then we moved to another apartment, and we got a house, and then another house, and another house, and just God just blessed us and, and moved. And, and so I guess what I'm saying is your life is filled from, with going from one location to another, right? So, so the Bible talks about this, and we're going to get to that part in a minute, but let me just ask kind of like, let's take a poll, okay? If you would not mind, and I have a friend of mine, goes to this church, it was about a year ago, it was a service just like this, and all of a sudden, the word of the Lord came to me, and I said, somebody is about to receive a house You're about to inherit a house, but it shouldn't come to you. The inheritance somehow is going to come to you. And a guy that he worked for, I didn't know it. I didn't know it was happening. But a a month later, a guy that he worked for uh, uh, passed away and gave him his house paid for. It was just the wildest story. So what I'm saying is it's possible for God to do the impossible in your life. Can somebody say amen? But just as a poll, okay, so this is his situation. Somebody gave him a house debt-free, okay? And it's a nice house. Like he was showing me pictures today of his library in his big old nice house that has like thousands of books. How many of you wouldn't bother if you had a library with like thousands of books and you could like bring your friends and be like, yes, let's go to the study, praise the Lord. <laughs> We're going to have some tea and crumpets in the study. But how many of you just wouldn't bother you If God blessed you with a home, I'm not saying your home now is not good. I like our house now, but I know God's going to give me a bigger, better house. I know that these things are going to happen. So what I'm saying is I'm not saying your house now is not great, but I'm just saying how many of you just with a show of hands and say, if God wanted to bless me with a newer, nicer house, debt-free, paid for, I would totally be down with that. Just raise your hand. That's like 99% and 1% is lying. (laughs) All right. So almost all of us would be totally down and we would love for God to bless us with a bigger house, a nicer house, a paid for house, all that other stuff. Now, just same thing. We're going to take a quick poll. It's it's definitely impromptu. It's, It's definitely a casual poll, you know. But just by a show of hands, who here absolutely loves moving. In other words, we like going from where God has us now to where God is calling us to be, but it's the moving in between that is difficult. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17. Now the Lord that is spirit... Now, the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty or there is freedom. Verse 18, but we all, and I'm going to explain this scripture in just a second, but just let me read it first. But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of God, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the spirit of the Lord. So let me me just work this out for just a second. With open face withholding, what he's referencing here, earlier in the chapter, he's talking about what life was like 
for somebody that believed in God before Jesus. There was a veil that was necessary to shield you from the glory or Shekinah glory, the anointed glory of God, because God could not come in contact with an unclean vessel because then God would be tarnished by the unclean vessel. So there was always a veil that was between humanity and God. Even those that believed in God, there was a requirement of the veil because the perfect the perfect will of God had not been completed through Christ Jesus. The sacrifice had not been made. Therefore, everybody that believed on God, though they believed on Him in faith, they were still tarnished. But then there came one, somebody say one, the Son of the living God, and He came, lived a sinless life, And gave his life for you and for me. He was crucified on Calvary's rugged cross. And the Bible says three days later, he rose from the dead, defeating death, hell, and the grave. And when that took place, several things happened when the ultimate sacrifice was made on Good Friday. But one of the things that happened, the Bible says the veil in the temple was ripped from the ceiling all the way down to the floor. In other words, the necessity of the veil between deity and humanity was no longer needed because God... God was willing to wash his own children in the blood of the Lamb, which makes us then and therefore holy in the eyes of God, righteous, the fullness of God, the the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, who is the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Therefore, we can look at God in King James dialect with an open face. There's no... There's no veil that has to be there that would stop the glory of God from getting to us because, in fact, whenever God looks at us, He sees us enveloped in the Son, in the blood of His only begotten Son. Now the veil is not, is not required. Therefore, now we, you and me, look at God open face, but we're not just looking at God and it stays there. We are looking at God open face and the Bible says we, like a glass or a mirror, are to reflect What God is to us, to the people around us. In other words, you are called to be a reflection of your creator. That's why it's not cool for you to go cussing everybody out at work. That's why it's not cool for you to hold a grudge with somebody just because they hold a grudge with you. You are the reflection of God's glory. So if they're not seeing God on you, they're not going to see God at all. In other words, when you say yes to Jesus and you accept the free gift of salvation that was paid for with the highest of prices, now all of the sudden the veil that divided you from God is gone and your reflection, you are called to reflect what Christ is. And let me just put it real simply. That means you're supposed to act towards other people like God acts towards you. So when's the last time God cussed you out? Exactly. Our job is to forgive those when they do us wrong because that is what He does for us and we are to reflect that to them. Somebody say amen to that. It is in this process of reflecting God's love and compassion towards those around us that we are taken, uh, in other words, we are moved from glory, 
to glory. The problem is, like the houses I grew up in, it doesn't always look like this. Sometimes you go to you got to move back to the little house to prepare you for the next big house. He said, what do you mean? Well, uh, write these three things down. I'm only going to give you three. We're going to wrap up pretty quick today. But three keys when it comes to how to uh, move in God, it's very similar to how you move in life. Number one, when you move, you have to make some decisions. Number one, what are you taking with you? Because there's some stuff that got you to this house that doesn't need to go to the next house. There's some stuff that fit in this house, but they won't fit in the other house. Listen, I still have boxes from when I'm like 18 years old and I went to college and I have, they're duct taped up and they've got writing on them like, do not throw away and I have no idea what's in them. When you move, you have to start making some decisions. What will fit in the new house? When when I grew up, we moved from a little house to a big house, no problem. You can take everything. And you get there. I remember getting there, and the house was so big compared to to our little house. I remember getting there and being like, Mom, 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 Mom. And I remember getting into the, the living room, and they're like, there like wasn't any furniture. There actually was furniture. It's just we had so little furniture, it looked like we had no furniture. And I remember thinking, man, this is perfect because we can play football right in here. It's perfect. But then when we had to go back to the little house, now you got to start making some real decisions. Because what fits in the big house with all the extra space might not make it to the little house, but you see, God is causing all things to work together for good for those that love him and are called according to his purpose. Remember, I was a kid. I didn't understand. Hey, how come we're going back to a little house? Well, a part of the reason to go back to the little house was because we were building a bigger house and we needed a place to stay in the process. Sometimes God is working on your next level that you can't see it, so, but you can't see it from your current level. Sometimes the next blessing is so big you can't comprehend it, but what you do know is you can't carry everything that you've been carrying around and make it into the current condition that you're in. When you move, you got to make some decisions. Now, here's, here's some of the things that we do. You decide what you're going to take with you. And sometimes you think, well, that's not going to, that doesn't fit. That doesn't fit in my next lifestyle. You know, it, it, doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't work. I, can, I, I don't want to carry that with me. But then we start making, we come up with all kinds of solutions. It doesn't fit in my house, but I'll go get me a storage unit. <laughs> because you never know when you're going to need something. Number one, you got to decide what you're carrying with you. Number two, you got to decide. Number two. You got to decide what you're going to leave behind. Some of us, we got boxes like this. You're carrying it. Whew, this was real heavy. What's this? This is my special box. What you got in your special box? Ah, it's real special. Yeah, but what's in it? Well, this is eight years ago. My wife said something real rude to me, and I'm planning on reminding her someday. So I'm just going to leave that right there because you never know when you're going to need to remind somebody when they were rude to you. 
It doesn't fit in your house. Well, I'll just get me a storage unit. Well, what's a storage unit? A storage unit will cost you something and you'll almost never see it. It will cost you something, but you'll almost never see it. There we go. Guys, we got our own boxes. Ladies, y'all got y'all's. Quit acting like y'all don't have your boxes. What's that? This is my special box. What's that? This in case he ever does me wrong. Praise the Lord. What, what are you going to do with it? This is, what, this is all the promises that he told me. He told me he's going to take me to Malibu. Told me he's going to take me to Australia. I ain't never been to Australia. I'm going to keep this right here so I can make sure and remind him that he is letting me down and he is not fulfilling what he said to me. I probably won't need it, but I don't want to leave it. If you want to go to the next level in God... You want to go to the next stage of Christianity, you got to recognize it is the face of God that you are called to reflect in this atmosphere amongst your family, your coworkers, your friends, the people that you see at Kroger, everybody in between. But if you're going to go from glory to the glory that God's called you to go to, you got to realize just like in moving, there's some stuff that you're going to have to leave behind. You can't carry bitterness everywhere. You can't be mad at church and just think a new church is going to fix it. Because the problem is, wherever you go, there you are. <laughs> now, I understand that people have been hurt in church, and I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not minimizing that or dismissing it. But you can't let past hurts Anchor you from going to the next place God has called you metaphorically. You can't let, oh, they did me wrong, so I'm just going to hold a grudge. No, there's places in God that you can't go and hold a grudge. You, you, you can't, there's places in God, you, you, can't, you can't be a racist and become all things in Christ Jesus. Come on, somebody just say amen to that. You can't be a racist and become everything that God has called you to be. You will hit a very low ceiling in the body of Christ. And you'll think everybody else is just wrong. You can't, you can't be filled with bitterness. You can't be filled with bitterness and go everywhere that God's called you to be. Because you're going to have to forgive the people that hurt God and the people that hurt you. Ooh, it's quiet in here today. <laughs> you're going to have to forgive some people. There's some people that are dead that you haven't forgiven yet. They hurt you when you were a child. And you're still thinking, if my parents would have just, da, 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 da. I'm not minimizing what they did or didn't do. Maybe they set you up for success. Maybe they harmed you. I'm not trying to make that. But you're going to have to forgive them. Because when you drop that anchor of bitterness, now you can actually get to the next place God's called you to be. The first thing. You're going to have to decide what you're taking with you, and then you're going to have to say, and, and I think that's important. There's some things that you're going to pick up that are going to need to go with you to the next stage. There's some things you're going to have, you're going to, have to pick up that are, that are going to need to go with you to the next stage. But there's some other stuff you're just, going to have to, you're just going to have to cut the cord. You're going to say, I'm just not taking that box with me again. But what if he's rude to you again? Then I'll act like it's the first time it ever happened, and I've already decided to forgive him before he said it anyway, so whatever. 
Well, what, what, what if she's ugly to you again? Then you're going to act like it's the first time it's ever happened. You already decided you were going to forgive them. I'm going to act like it didn't happen anyway. I'm going to forgive them, period. That's what I'm going to do because I'm not carrying all this stuff. See, there was one. Everybody say one. The government was on his shoulders. You put the government on your shoulders, your back will break. And you'll be railing your fist at God saying, why is my back broken? He said, because you're carrying my government. The government is on his shoulders, the order of things. That's why he says, cast your cares upon me. Cast your cares upon him, upon Christ, because he cares for you. I have a 2008 Toyota Tundra. It is totally awesome. I got 200,000 some odd miles on it, and I just love it, okay? It's got a big old motor. We were driving in it yesterday. My son and, and me, well, my son Walker Lee and me, and he goes, Dad, I said, what? He said, you know that curve on our road? I'm like, yeah. He goes, you have to slow down to go into it? I'm like, yeah. He goes, I love the way your truck sounds when we start speeding up again. Because <laughs> you got to slow down in the curve. And it's like, whoa. And he started making the noise. He's like, whoa. And I was like, Tim the Tool Man Taylor. I'm like, yeah, boy. <laughs> and then we started talking about gears and transmissions. And he's like, oh, yeah, Dad. That's what I'm talking about. Motors. Motors, buddy. I got a great truck. 2008. I love it. It's phenomenal. And it'll carry a certain amount of weight. And it's a great truck. I like it. But if I were to go put like 40,000 pounds on a trailer, that's typically what a tractor trailer a lot of times will carry like an 18-wheeler, 40,000 pounds on a trailer. And I hook that to my Tundra. Let me tell you what my Tundra is going to sound like. <laughs> it's going to sound like this. <coughs> Whoa. The first thing it's going to do, I'm going to crank and it's going to go, let go, let go, let go. Now, I can maybe get like the load just barely moving. Like, all the ladies are like, what is he talking about? All the guys are like, it's the first message I've ever understood, preacher. (laughs) Tundra, truck, trailer. I'm in. Honey, join the church. We're here. Praise the Lord. If he says one thing about hunting or fishing, I'm coming to that altar. Praise the Lord. If I had that truck, my Tundra, which I love, <laughs> I love it, I really do, it's not even a joke, and I hooked it to that 40,000-pound trailer, it might get rolling, maybe, might get rolling, but it's not going to be able to drive at the speed that it was designed to drive at. Take that same trailer and hook it up to a Mack truck, a huge diesel completely designed to do that, hook it up, it wouldn't even know it's there, just just go. That's the difference when you're trying to carry all this weight from one glory to the next that you weren't designed to carry. You start getting a little progress and you go, oh, well, I'm making some progress. I mean, it's pretty heavy, but I still like being bitter, so I'm just going to keep dragging this bitterness, and it's just going to be pretty good, and I just can't wait. I'll be there when I get there. And by the, the problem is the right thing at the wrong time is still wrong. So you might be able to get to the next level, but the season may have already passed 
for your next level. So you get there and you go, God, where are you at? And God's like, I'm way over here. And you're like, but I already made it here. And he goes, that's because you're carrying a bunch of junk with you. You're not moving at the speed that I've called you to move, that I've called you to move at. You can ask my wife. I, this is a place where I would tell your story if I knew it. And I'm not trying to say this to impress you. I'm just trying to say this to impress upon you that it's possible. I'm the king of repenting. I will repent. All I need to know is where did I miss it? And I'm changing to the best of my ability. I'm not joking around about that. You want a happy marriage? You, you, you get comfortable saying stuff like this on a monthly basis. Baby, honestly, is there any area where I'm letting you down? How could I better serve you? How could I better love you? And she's like, well, if you did the dishes every now and then, that would really bless me. I'm like, is there anything else? Anything? She's like, like maybe the laundry or something. I'm like, I'm just not, it doesn't, I'm not getting confirmation on that, you know. I'm going to pray about that, you know. Glory to God, you know. I just prefer, like, to wash the clothes with the washing of the water of the word, you know, not like the literal stuff, you know. I don't know. She's like, well, you can help me fold the clothes. I'm like, but Jesus is coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle, and I don't want to fold them and get a wrinkle in it. We're just... I'm the king of repenting. I joke about that, but that's for real. Because the quicker you get at letting go of the junk you've been carrying, the quicker you're going to get to the next stage. And the quicker you get to the next stage, come on, everybody just lift one hand real high. Say this. Say, I'm moving in the things of God at the pace of God and I will see the hand of God in my life in Jesus name now give God a big hand of praise because you can't just be going from here to there at your own pace the Bible says the steps of the Lord are ordered by God but the, the pace is up to you You go carrying a bunch of junk, you might get where you think you're supposed to be, but you're never going to get there when you're supposed to be there because when it's time to move, you've got to decide to leave some stuff behind. You can't just go carrying all that junk. You can't go carrying all that bitterness. You can't carry that frustration. You can't carry that heartache. Heartaches turn into badges. We know, oh, they hurt me so bad. And it, and it starts off pure and you really mean it. But then five years from now, you talk about it like it's a badge. Oh, they just hurt me so bad and that's why I'm like this. Aren't you glad Jesus didn't do that when he was toting the cross up there, like rub it in our nose and be like, yeah, I'll tell you what, I'm going to forgive you, but I'm never going to forget. Hey, make sure and put a big bitterness box on the back of this cross so that I can be bitter when I forgive them so that whenever I forgive them, they'll know I'm always going to hold a grudge against them. This is what he did. He forgave you and he threw it in the sea of forgetfulness as far as the east is from the west. You got to let go of it. You got to decide. If I'm going to move from glory to glory, I got to decide what's going and I got to decide what's staying. And the last thing, you got to decide where are you going? 
You don't just pick up your stuff and just go, okay, I'm moving. Where are you moving to? Where are you going? Metaphorically, spiritually, where are you going? I'll tell you where you're going. You're going to the place of freedom. Because there's a place in God, and if you've ever tasted it, you can't get enough. There's a place in God where freedom becomes your reality. Free from the persuasiveness of popular opinion in your life. Free from the harm of the words that stab like daggers. Free from the shame of your past decisions. Free from the guilt of the things you've done in your past. Free from the guilt of the things that if you could do it over again, you'd do it so different. There's a place of freedom and it's available to you and the place has a name and his name is Jesus. He is not a good idea. He is the way. He's the truth. He's the life. But he's the way. I love it because he didn't say I'm the destination. Effectively, he said I'm the route. See, in Christianity, we always want to think of things in finite terms like, oh, when I get here, when I get there, let me just tell you something. The journey of being a Christian is the reward on earth of being a Christian. The journey with him is worth it all. And the faster you're willing to leave the stuff. Remember how I said it like this? I lay aside every weight that holds me back. He goes on to say, and the sin that trips me up or so easily besets me. But what's interesting is he wasn't just interested in laying sin aside. In other words, there's some things that aren't sin that are still keeping you from getting where you're going. The weights of life. Maybe instead of watching 784 hours of Netflix a day, you could crack your Bible open for five minutes. It's not a sin, necessarily, but it may be a weight. Maybe instead of spending all your time rehashing everybody that did you wrong this week, you decided to take that same amount of time and pray for the people who did you wrong this week. It may not be a sin to talk about it in the way that you're actually talking about it, but it it might be a weight that's holding you back. I'm getting this real strong. I didn't get this in the first service. Maybe today's the day you really forgive your spouse and you stop holding a grudge. They will rise to the level of your expectation. So if you're expecting them to hurt you, odds are they're going to do it again. But if you refuse to believe those kind of things and you drop those weights and you say, you know what, I'm going to expect them to do what God has called them to do and I'm going to support them and I'm going to pray for them and I'm going to believe God with them and I'm going to be their greatest. If you want to see your spouse become everything God's called them to be, you've got to become their greatest encouragement and their greatest cheerleader. I can tell you, without my wife Crystal, I am not the man I am today. I'll tell you some of the things that she says to me. I'll say, baby, here's what I'm thinking. I'm praying. 
I feel this in my spirit, even as, even as, as, as recent as last night. Maybe I'm thinking this, I'm thinking that. And she'll say something like this. She'll say, baby. I say, what? What, sugar foot? <laughs> she'll say this to me. She'll say, if any man on planet earth can do it, you can do it. And I start going, where are those dishes? Praise the Lord. I... Now I think about it, I think she's playing me. You're, you just look so strong when you're washing dishes. I'm like, I'm like getting them dirty on purpose. I'm like, here, dog, lick this. Watch this. Look at that, babe. Ooh, that's clean, isn't it, right there, baby girl? She's my encourager. I try to be for her, too. She's my encourager. Some of you are going to see your spouse go to new heights in their Christian walk because you're going to become their encourager. Oh, I'm not saying you're their discourager now. But it's one thing when you're playing a sport in front of a crowd that doesn't like you. It's another thing when you're playing a sport in front of a crowd that doesn't care one way or the other. But it's a whole nother thing when you're playing a sport in front of a crowd that is actually supporting you. That's why they talk about home field advantage. I think we ought to have home field advantage in our marriages. I think the house ought to be the place we rush to, not run to. And it all starts individually where you realize your husband or your wife cannot be Jesus to you. They're not going to be able to satisfy all of the things that God created you to be satisfied with because they're not Christ. But in Christ, you can become the helpmeet, the come along beside them that propels them and encourages your husband or your wife to become what God has actually called them to be. There's a shift that takes place when you say, you know what, I'm not going to be just a spectator anymore. I'm going to be an encourager in my household. Somebody may talk about your child, but they do not have the authority that you have when it comes to talking about your child. They may call them names. They may say they're never going to be, they're never going to do this. They're never going to graduate. They're never going to get good grades. They may say all those other things, but they don't have the authority that you have in your voice. You literally have the opportunity to speak life into your spouse and into your offspring. But it starts by saying, I'm not just dragging this junk anymore. I'm not carrying it around anymore in Jesus' name. Bow your head and close your eyes. We're going to pray before we close. There's going to be a lot of you in just a moment, but I'm not going to embarrass you. I don't want anybody looking around. If you're here today and you say this, you say, you know what, preacher, I'm... I have been dragging some stuff around. Maybe shame, maybe bitterness, maybe discontentment. Maybe you're holding a grudge against somebody that hurt you. And you've just been dragging it around. You feel like, man, I've just been stuck. A lot of times we're just stuck because we're anchored to something we weren't supposed to be anchored to. So I'm going to pray in just a minute and God's going to help us all. With nobody looking around, though, just with 
a show of hands. You guys in the overflow as well. If you're here today and you say, preacher, that's me, I get it. I really do. There's some stuff I need to just let go of. I need to forgive some people. Maybe you've even been hurt in ministry or in church, and you just got to let it go. It's a privilege, a joy, and an honor to be a Christian. And we can't go living our life carrying these grudges. You weren't designed to carry it. You'll be like my truck. You may arrive at your destination, but you'll be so late. If that's you and you say, preacher, include me in that prayer. I want to leave some things behind today. When I count to three, just lift your hand real tall. Nobody's looking around. One, two, three. Lift it high. Almighty God, you see these hands. I cannot do the surgery necessary to release your people into their destiny. Only you can do that, God. But these people have taken the simple act of faith today to lift a hand and say, God, that's me. I want to lay aside a weight. Maybe multiple weights. Maybe things that have been holding you back. But God, you see these hands as they choose to let go in an effort to be taken or moved to the next season of life at the pace and the timing that you desire. Lord, I'm asking you to do it now. We, by faith, we cast our cares on you, God. We, we are not trying to carry everything now. There is one that is able to carry it. His name is Jesus, and we are not him. Lord, as we cast those cares on you now, as we cast those cares on you now, would you release us into our destiny? That's his presence. That's him doing it. That's him doing it. That's him doing it even now. Just releasing you into your destiny. You don't have to be rude. You don't have to be ugly. You don't have to be bitter. You don't have to be harder than necessary. You don't have to be those things. No, just release it now and let God take you from this glory to the next glory and into the place of freedom. Free from shame, guilt, condemnation. Free from outlandish insecurities. You're never going to find security in who you are. You'll only find it in Jesus. In limitless supply, I might add. Everybody just say this after me. Say, I am free to move to the next level. In Jesus' name. Ooh, I sense that. Listen, say this, say this. I receive your forgiveness and I forgive myself.
can put your hands down. You guys look this way for just a second. We're going to see if anybody needs to commit their life to Jesus, but I just want to say this. Forgiving yourself is a big deal because a lot of times we hold grudges against ourselves harder than we hold them to everybody else, so we, we, we judge ourselves harder. But Jesus doesn't judge you harder than anybody else is judged. You're judged on whether or not you're washed in the blood of the Lamb or not. If you're washed in the blood of the Lamb, you're the righteousness of God in Christ. doesn't mean that we don't repent when we miss the mark. It just means that in the eyes of God, you're part of the family, and He's not trying to kick you out. So quit kicking yourself. Sometimes forgiving yourself is one of the best things you can do for others because now you begin to walk in a different level of freedom. You begin to say, man, I believe God really can do all things. Now, if you're here today and you've never given your heart to Jesus, or you'd say it differently, you say, preacher, I used to walk strong with God, but I'm backslidden. I'm like the prodigal son, and I need to recommit my life to Jesus. We're going to give you an opportunity to pray in just a moment. But I want you to know, if you give your life to Jesus today, whether it's the first time or you're recommitting your life, what's going to happen is he's going to embrace you. He's going to forgive you of all of your sins, all of your shortcomings. He's going to give you a new life starting today. And in that new life comes a level of liberty and freedom that can only be experienced when you actually jump in. You remember Peter walked on water after Jesus did, but he didn't know he could walk on water until he got out of the boat. Getting born again is the same thing. You have to step out of the boat to experience the the miraculous side of it. Nobody can explain it at its fullest, but once you've experienced him, you can never go back. Somebody say amen to that. So if you would, please, just for a moment, bow your head and close your eyes one more time. If you're here, you've never given your heart to Jesus. This is kingdom business now. You've never given your heart to Jesus. Or you're backslidden. You're like the prodigal son. When I count to three, I want you to lift your hand. And with an uplifted hand, you're simply saying, Oh, God, remember me. And he really, really will. Never given your heart to Jesus. Or you've slipped away from him and you need to recommit your life. If that's you and you're here, when I count to three, with nobody looking around, lift your hand, tall and bold. One, two, three, lift your hand. Super high, super high. I see that hand, I see that hand, I see that hand, I see that hand. Thank you, 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 thank you. Thank you, God love you. Thank you in the back, God love you. Thank you. Is there anyone else? We're not rushing right now. There you are. God bless you. Is there anyone else? Just lift your hand. Come on, you, you, you feel it in your heart. God's calling you back now. It's called being pricked in your heart. That's what the Bible calls it. There you are. God bless you. God bless you. What a great day in the house of the Lord. Can we all stand to our feet now? You can put your hands down. We're going to pray here in just a moment. But if you say this, if you, if you lifted your hand or you wanted to, to give your heart to God today, pray this prayer from the bottom of your heart after me. Matter of fact, church, help us pray. Say this. Say, oh God, I come to you now and I ask you to save me. Write my name in your book. I believe Jesus died and rose from the dead for my victory. I'm a Christian now. I turn from sin and I turn to you in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Come on, give God a big, mighty hand clap.
If you prayed that prayer for the first time or the first time in a long time, we salute you. Stop by the light wall after service. We have some information we'd love to share with you. Also, uh, if you're here today and you've never joined our church, but you know this is the house for you. The Bible says those that are planted in the house of God will flourish in His courts. If you want to join our church, there's not a long list of steps to do it. But what we want to do is if you want to make that declaration today, we just want to celebrate that with you. I'm not going to call you to the front. I'm not going to embarrass you. But I would love you to give the opportunity to make that bold declaration of faith. Because when you do, every grace that's on this house, you become a partaker or a partner with. So if you're here today and you've never officially joined New Heights Church, maybe it's your first time here or you've been coming for weeks, but you've never officially joined New Heights Church, when I count to three, just lift your hand and let us give you a hand and tell you we love you. One, two, three. Lift your hand, tall and bold. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Come on, give them a hand, y'all. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Is there anyone else? Listen, you guys, God bless you. Praise the Lord right up here in the front, right here by the speaker. You brave. Praise the Lord. Listen, all you guys who are joining the church, I'd love to say hello, but I'd also love to say this. Tonight we have a new to New Heights meeting at 5. If you can't make it, don't worry, but if you can, it'd be great. You're going to learn about the history of our church. You're going to meet some of our leaders, uh, meet some of the other people that you go to church with, and it'll be a great, great time. That's at 5 o'clock. You can stop by the light wall, and they'll help you get registered for it. It'll be a powerful, powerful time. But literally, every grace that's on this house is now in your house. Anytime one person gets born again, it goes to your account as well, because we are all working together in this region, if you know it, say it with me, to love people and point them to Christ. Give God another big hand of praise for everybody joining the church. If you're coming to the New to New Heights, it's going to be wonderful. If you haven't registered yet, stop by the light wall. If you've never been, you got to come. We're going to have a great time. But do this uh, after service. If it's your first time here, I'm going to be right up here by these steps. I would love to meet you. I'm going to step off the platform for just a second to wipe my face off and take this old microphone off. But I'll be right here. I would love to say hello and just uh, introduce myself. But other than that, I'll see you guys at 5 o'clock. Lift one hand real high. Father, in Jesus' name, those who join the church today, I thank you that they're a partaker of every grace that's on this house. I declare that we're not going into the next season dragging all the junk from the previous season, that we're going to leave some stuff behind. I thank you, Lord God, for blessing us in our coming in and our going out in the city and the field this day and every day. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless you. We'll see you. We hope you were blessed by today's podcast. If you'd like more information about Pastor Brian or New Heights Church, visit New Heights Church.